Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. My name is Scott Rogers, and many of you uh, and I, we have never met. Uh, my wife and I, we uh, used to be a part of Res Life Church several years back. We now live in the Northern California area and um, just love you guys, love Pastor Dwayne and Jeannie and everything that they have invested in the lives of so many of us. We now have just the, the privilege to just continue to invest in the kingdom of God with what we're doing. So I'm just in gratitude for you as a church and for the opportunity to be here. Uh, and I know that if you're here on a Sunday night, you're probably hungry, right? I mean, come on. This is the loud, the rowdy, hungry crowd. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Eight of you. Let's go work on the rest of you, especially this group over here, because they're just not there. Yet. But you guys, oh, man, you're... Not even there am I either. Okay, well, we'll work on it. <laughs> uh, I love what you guys are doing with the whole Prayer First initiative and 21 Days of Prayer. And the Facebook Praying Live and live stream starts tonight at 7 o'clock. So when you get out of here, you can feel free to jump in on that thing. It's going to be so great every single day, 7 a.m., 7 p.m., throughout this season of praying and fasting as a church. So I really encourage you to be a part of that. Um, what a great season you guys are in. I was at uh, one of your sister churches, Victory Life Church in Battle Creek this weekend and this morning, and I was just telling Pastor James, their pastor, I said, man, you guys, just, it just seems like everyone's refreshed, ready to go, and God's moving already in the new year, and it's, like the, it's almost like God has hit the reset button, and everybody is hungry, and if your expression of worship is any indication, I would expect that's kind of the same for what's going on here at Res Life. So you're, gonna, you're in for an exciting, exciting year. Anybody ready for 2020? Let me ask you this way. How many are glad 2019 is in the rearview mirror? <laughs> you got through it. Isn't it amazing how fast time flies, but yet how much life happens in just 12 months? I mean, think about what you walked through this past year. I mean, probably every single one of us had some valleys, experiences, maybe some mountaintops, the ups and downs. That's just normal life, right? And you think about that, we go through a whole lot in 12 months. I really pray and sincerely hope that our conversation for the next few minutes could shape and impact this next year for you and I as we just lean into a conversation about how do we activate prayer in our life? That's what, what I want to focus on. Is how, because when you talk about praying and you as a church, pray first and let's seek God in the beginning of the year. Whenever someone brings up prayer, I just, I'm like, I'm, maybe many of you are similar to me. I'm like, gosh, if there's one aspect of my spiritual journey that I get frustrated with, for me, is praying. Anybody with me on this thing? You're just like the two of us. Thank you. I feel better. It's just like you talk about praying. I'm like, man, I, I wish it was more natural for me. I wish it was my propensity to just pray naturally. But it, it's got to be very intentional in, for me in my life and, and just struggle with it. So what I want to do is I want to share with you just some things that have helped me to have a more robust prayer life in, in my life. Anybody interested for the next few minutes if we, if we talk about that? Okay, good, good. Because what I want to do is I want to kind of approach prayer not really in the how-tos. I'm going to throw out a, a few super simple how-tos that might help in activating prayer in our lives. But for the most part, I want to kind of talk about our approach to prayer. 
the posture in which we come to God. Because I think that when we talk about prayer, we don't often talk about this enough. And what I want to do is I want to take us back to really the beginning of Scripture for just a moment. And you may not be familiar with the Bible. If you're not, I think most of the Scriptures I'm going to reference are going to be on the screens. Not all of them, but some of them will. If you have a Bible, uh, you can feel free to open it up to Genesis chapter 3. But we're going to dance all over the place. So um, you can always read these in more detail later on. And if you think about the Bible, it goes back way to, back to Genesis chapter 1. And it literally says, in the beginning. Everybody say, in the beginning. And it gives us the creation account. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and you know, the, 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 the sky and all this kind of stuff and the trees that bore seeds and fruit and all you know, creation stuff. Well, then it gets down to verse 26 of chapter 1, and it says, let us make man in our image. It's really interesting because it's right there that we have the first reference to what many of us would call the Trinity. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit conversing together. We didn't see that conversing together in any of the previous account of creation. But when it comes to you and to me, the Trinity converses. And they say, let us make mankind in our image. And it's really the last piece of the creation account, which to me indicates that you and I, humankind, we are the crown of God's creation. And from the very beginning, God created us for fellowship and communion with him. It's in the very, very beginning of, of our existence is this whole concept of, talking with God. Well, then as many of you know, when you read the Bible, Satan comes along and deceives Eve and Adam passively cooperates with the whole thing. And even after God says, hey, everything you see is all yours. Go be fruitful. Go multiply. Go take dominion. Well, the snake comes and Satan deceives them and tries to lead Adam and Eve to believing that of all that God has given them, he's still holding out on something better. And maybe that better is being like him. And so then they sin, and we have the fall of creation. And then something interesting happens. Go, if you're in Genesis 3, allow me to read this to us. In verse 8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound, this is after they had sinned, they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God from the trees, among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man, where are you? <laughs> Everybody say, where are you? Where? Let me ask you this question. Do you think God asks them, where are you? Because he doesn't know where they are. He's looking for confession. He's looking for them to own up and be honest with what just happened. And so he says, he says where are you? And then it goes on. Verse 10, he answers, well, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Let me ask you another question. In this moment, when God says, where are you? And Adam says, well, I was afraid, and I hid. Did Adam believe in God at that moment? Oh, thank you, of course. Yet, he was living in hiding. Is it possible that some of us who believe in God, maybe are even Christian, are living in hiding. 
And is it possible that prayer is the very act of coming out into the open, back into relationship with God? Might God be saying to us as individuals, and as he's put it on the heart of your leadership to pray first in this season, may he be saying, come out of hiding. Come out into the open. Step into what I've created you for. Communion and fellowship with me. Yet some of us remain in hiding. Several years ago, when my wife and I, uh, we've lived in Northern California for almost eight years now. And before then, we were living in Houston, Texas. Uh, And I remember when we first moved there, and I was pastoring, um, it was probably a few months into living in Houston that I was going to officiate a wedding. And the wedding was on a Saturday afternoon. It was sometime in the middle of summer. So early that day, I'm out in the, I'm mowing the grass and kind of doing yard work that day. And it just hits me. Like I'm in the, I'm in the Houston humidity, sweating like crazy, working away. And I get this thought, oh no, I've got a wedding to go to. I forgot about the wedding that I was going to officiate. Now, if just in case you're interested, that's bad PR for a pastor <laughs> to forget people's wedding. So I'm like, oh, no. So I I run in the house. I jump in the shower. I take a quick shower. I get my suit out and get all ready. I got about a 20-minute drive. I grab my Bible, throw my suit jacket in the car. I've got my tie on, my one tie that I own, my wedding and funeral tie. Anyway, I put it on. I get in the car, and I'm driving along. And because I'm behind, I'm, I'm going a little faster. I'm maybe going like not quite Dwayne Vanderklok speed, but I'm kind of getting there. And I'm cruising down the road, and I remember taking a right turn in an intersection when the light turned green, and I just kind of hit it and get going, and an officer passed me. And you know that moment when you're in that space, and you're like, oh, right? Your, your heart rate goes up, and you're just, oh, no. And I look at my rearview mirror, and even by the time I look in the rearview mirror, his strobes are on. And I'm just thinking, now I'm really in trouble, and I'm going to be really late. So I just pull over. It was like a small business complex. I pull in there, and the officer pulls in, and I'm sitting in the car, and, you know, whatever officers do right before they get out, maybe they call on your plates. I don't know what they do. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, God, how can I get out of this thing? And I got my Bibles in the passenger seat along with my, my suit jacket, and I grab my Bible, and I put it on the console in the middle so he might be able to see it when he walks up to the window. I mean, I have you know, a white shirt on, my tie, and the Bible on my console. I'm thinking, he might just go, oh, this is a man of the cloth. I'm gonna cut him a break. He means well in this world. And so you know, he's walking up, and I'm, I'm literally you know, I'm talking to him, and he comes up and he says, so can I have your, uh, your driver's license and registration, please? And in that moment, it hits me. We'd been there a few months, and I remembered that I was supposed to change my driver's license within 10 days. And I said, yes, sir, and I hand him, and the whole time I'm like, oh, oh, goodness. And I give it to him, he reads my old address. He says, is this your current address? I said, no, sir. Uh, My current address is, you know, this, which is, you know, in that area. He says, oh, how long have you been here? And I said, "Uh, three or four months. Oh, do you know that you're supposed to get this done within 10 days? I didn't say I didn't know, but I didn't confess that I knew. 
I just played kind of like middle of the road. I'm like, oh, really? He says, yeah. And uh, by the way, uh, how fast were you going? Do you think you were going back there? And I said, maybe a little fast. And he, he radared me at like 25 or 30 miles an hour over the speed limit. And then he goes, do you realize you have a taillight out? You're right, taillight's out. And I'm like, I'm like, officer, that is on the list. I'm going to get that done. He's all right. He's so you just wait here. He walks back to his, his squad car, does his business. I'm sitting in there and, you know, my Bible's sitting right there on the console. And I'm just thinking, what am I going to do to get out of this? And so I begin to just pray internally. You ever do the quiet internal prayer? And I begin to just think, I'm, okay, I'm in Houston. I want to pray my best Joel Osteen prayer that I can pray right now. And I'm literally like under my breath and I look at my Bible and I put my hand on my, if you're not familiar with Pastor Joel Osteen, you might not get this. So I put my hand on my Bible and I even kind of pray silently my best Joel Osteen voice. And I'm like, God, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what I says it ha- I have. And I can do what it says I can do. And God, I pray today that you'd give me favor in the eyes of this officer. May he see that I'm for good in this world. And may he overlook this grievous offense today. And let me go free without citation in Jesus' name. And literally... True story. He start, he's walking up as I'm finishing this internal best Joel Osteen impersonation prayer as I can muster. And he walks up to the window in the moment of truth and he says, here's three citations. And I'm like, dang, that prayer didn't work. Come on, Joel. I got to do something different. And I drive off and I'm, and I'm so frustrated. I got three tickets out of the deal. What's the point, Scott? The point is, I think that sometimes when we talk about fellowship with God, we tend to think, well, maybe he's like the police officer. And he's just waiting for me to get real close so he can point out my weakness and point out my sin. And there go the holy strobes, and he's going to pull me over. May I suggest that God is not pursuing, he's pursuing us, but he's not pursuing us to cite us for our sin. He's pursuing us because he covets our friendship. He's pursuing you because he wants friendship with you. And when we know that, that's a game changer when it comes to prayer. Let me show you a few people in scripture that embraced this reality. There's one guy, if you you have a Bible on you, go to uh, Genesis chapter 5. There's this guy named Enoch. Anybody ever heard of Enoch? Here's what's super interesting about this. If you just do a a cursory reading of Scripture and kind of listen now and then but not listen entirely, we get this idea that since the fall of man, since sin, and sin entered into all of us, that's true, we seem to think that in that moment we severed every opportunity to walk with God. And that is severed until Jesus comes and dies on the cross and is raised from the dead. That's not what scripture shows us. Here's Enoch. He's the great, 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 great grandson of Adam. Seven generations in. in. 
Here's what it says of Enoch in Genesis chapter 5, verse 22 through 24. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years. 300 years? I don't get, it's probably using essential oils or something like that, but it's like <laughs> you walk faithfully with God 300 years and he had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. And verse 24 is the, is the kicker. Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God took him away. Crazy account, but he walked with God. God covets our friendship. Think about Noah for a moment. Just a few pages forward in scripture. Genesis chapter six, verse nine says this of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Let that rattle our mind for just a moment if you're a follower of Jesus. Noah still needs a savior. However, he's living in a way that God says, that's righteous living. He says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he what? He walked faithfully with God. He walked faithfully with God. And he didn't have the Spirit of God in him like you and I as followers of Jesus have in us. Let me keep going. I'm trying to state my case, and then we'll kind of unpack it a bit. Think about Abraham. When Abraham is introduced, you know, we go to like Genesis 12, he's called Abram before his name is changed. And God says to Abram, basically, Genesis 12 is the hinge from which all of Scripture turns. We go through the creation account and then the flood and, and then the wickedness of humankind is, is so bad, God regrets that he even created us, yet his, his love and faithfulness endures. And he comes to this guy named Abram and he says, Abram, leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's household. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you into a great nation. So he establishes the nation of Israel. He calls him to be set apart, and he doesn't select Israel and reject the rest of the world. He selects Israel because he wants to first reveal himself through those people so that, in turn, he could reveal himself to the rest of the world. In Abraham, the, the, all the unfolding of Scripture comes after Genesis 12 and the story of God and his mission in the world. And here's what the New Testament says about this Abraham guy in James 2.23. And the scripture was fulfilled that Abraham, that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called what? He was called God's friend. The creator of the universe is a friend of his creation, the created. He was called a friend of God. Moses, Exodus 33 verse 11, it says the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. God covets our friendship. Two more. New Testament, Jesus, John 15, verse 13. He says to those following him, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Verse 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. Yeah, but come on, Scott. You don't know my story. You don't know my past. You don't know my laundry. You don't know mine either. But God still covets our friendship. Here's, here's what Scripture says. Jesus said this. 
was said about him in Luke 7, 34. The son of man referring to Jesus, and this was his reputation, came eating and drinking, and, say, and, and you say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. That gives hope for every Ohio State Buckeye fan. <laughs> anyway, just saying. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. He covets our friendship. Sometimes though you talk about this kind of thing like God the creator of the universe pursues us because he covets our friendship and our fellowship and sometimes you can bump up you know, against someone that's you know, really religious and they say, hold on Scott, God is to be revered. How many of you would agree with that? God is to be revered. Hold on Scott on this friendship with God stuff because God is holy. Very true. God is the judge. Very true. Here's how it plays out. God is the king. Jesus is the Lord. I bow to my king. I submit to my Lord. But I talk with him as a friend. That's crazy to me. That that's what he extends to you and I. Friendship. Friendship. And I loved what Pastor Ken was praying and saying up here that, God, when we are unlovable, you love us. God, when we are unfaithful, you remain faithful. And the reality is, is that Scripture would say in other places to, to boldly enter into God's presence. Not because we're good, not because we've done all the right things, but because the blood of Christ has made the way for us to enter into his presence without hindrance and without restraint. God covets our friendship. So let me throw out just a, a few things that might help us as we engage in this 21 days of, of praying and pray first, that just some simple, simple things that are not rocket science. You're going to be thinking, oh, come on, Scott, you got to go deeper than that. I don't know if I can go deeper than the creator of all creation wants to be our friend. I mean, that's, let's just think about that for a little while. But what are some basic things that you and I can do to maybe activate a more um, intentional life of prayer? Well, here's, here's what I want to suggest, is that when praying, be excessive with gratitude. Don't just say, God, thank you for my, you know, my Hungry Man TV dinner. Be excessive with gratitude. Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians to pray continually, and then it also says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Have you ever thought, God, what's your will for me? Anybody? Raise your hand if you ever thought that. God, what's your will for me? Well, one of them is very clear. Be thankful. Be, th be excessively thankful. Be grateful for what we take for granted. This is what's helped me in, in my life of prayer. Like, God, I'm going to thank you for the mundane. I'm going I'm to thank you for the things that I often overlook, that I'm privileged to walk in. And that is, I have my peanut butter and jelly sandwich on my table every day, and I have my water to drink. God, thank you that you're my provider. 
I get in my car and I'm able to drive to my work. God, thank you this thing still runs. And somehow we're putting fuel in this thing. Unless it's electric and it's charged. God, thank you for the relationships that I do have. Not just the ones that have fallen apart, but God, thank you for those who genuinely stand with me when I walk through the storms of life. God, thank you that, that, as Pastor Ken would say, when I am not, when I have no faith, you are faithful. God, thank you I'm saved. Thank you that you've revealed Jesus to me. I mean, see how that, just being excessively thankful in prayer, man, I'm telling you what, it'll spark prayer in our lives like I don't think anything else. We, uh, we just got, of course, we all just got home with Christmas. And uh, we have three kids. Two of them are awesome. But we have three kids, and they... Uh, <laughs> The, uh, our oldest just graduated from college in uh, May, and our middle child is a uh, senior in college, and our youngest is a freshman in college. So when, I remember we moving our son Dylan into his dorm this summer when we went back home. Uh, he's, I mean, he's, we live in Sacramento area. He's going to school in the Phoenix area. I walked around the house for three days just crying all the time. I'm, I'd walk by his bedroom. I'm like, oh, God, what happened? And Shelly never cried once. <laughs> she just went about her thing, and I was just walking around, oh, oh, this is horrible. What are we going to do? So we had them all back for Christmas, and it's super cool because you don't really have to parent much anymore. You just kind of do life with friends. And it's just, it's just so, such a good time, especially when you see like some of your parent act, parenting actually caught. You're like, wow, thank you, God. So they were listening. And so we're doing Christmas. And, and way back, I, I think as early as I can remember with the kids, Shelly wanted us to be very intentional that when we passed out the gifts on Christmas, um, which we do Christmas in a very modest fashion, we're not extravagant by any means, uh, just a few gifts and keep it, just keep it basic. So what Shelly wanted to do, though, was she's like, we're going to pass out these gifts one at a time, and you're each going to open one. And then I want you to just say thank you. Just be thankful. And it was so cool sitting there this Christmas. And it's, it's happened for years, even with the stocking stuffers. It's crazy. So we're at home, and we always have this kind of family tradition, do the stockings on Christmas Eve and the gifts on Christmas morning. And so we're sitting around Christmas Eve to open up the stockings, and they're basic stuff. Literally, this is what was in them. They pull out a pack of gum. Our 22-year-old, our 21-year-old, and our 18-year-old, without any uh, pressure, total casual, we're just hanging out. They pull out like, Trident! Thank you, Mom and Dad. And I'm like, yes, this is awesome. Thank you, Mom and Dad. They pull out some other little gadget, silly thing that, you know, probably come from the Dollar Tree. Thank you, Mom and Dad. And then Christmas morning, open up their gifts, and they, they, they act excited. They're like, whoa, thank you for this. I mean, if they were faking, they were doing a great job. It was so cool. And I'm just sitting there going, man, this is really rewarding as a father to see their gratitude. But also, I think, how might God feel? If we are created in his image, it's a wonderful thing when you give any kind of gift and someone says, thank you. We all know the opposite. That's entitlement. Ah, what's the next gift? Give me the next gift because I deserve it. You owe it to me. That's horrible. I can only speculate and imagine, though, that God as our Father just smiles 
When we take something that we usually take for granted and say, God, thank you. Thank you for this in my life. One way to activate prayer is that when we pray, just be excessive with gratitude. Be excessive. Here's another one. I'm going to go really deep, okay? So throw on your spiritual scuba gear for this one because we're going way down on this one. Pray about what to pray about. I mean, you ever gotten to pray? You're like, I got nothing, God. What am I going to, have you ever thought to pray about what to pray about? Try it. You think, oh, Scott, I don't hear the voice of God. Pray about what to pray about and see what God impresses on your heart. The direction he begins to nudge you by his spirit on what to pray about. Maybe take a notepad or your phone and type it in. But just say, God, in this season of pray first, where we as a church are seeking you first for our church, for our community, for our lives. God, what do you want me to pray about? I would put some money on it that God's going to make some things vividly clear. Oh, pray about what's going on in the office. Oh, pray for your neighbor. Pray for your marriage. That, remember that, that argument you had last week that's unresolved? You need to pray about getting some wisdom how to bring that up and resolve the tension. Just pray about what to pray about. And I would expect God's going to put on your hearts to pray for something big. Don't be, don't be bashful. God says, you know what? I want you to pray for world affairs. Pray for what's going on in a global perspective. Pray about those things that he shows you specifically. But also, pray for the six-year-old neighbor whose goldfish just died. That's a, that's a real loss for that child. That's real. There's grieving going on. How cool would it be if you had the relationship with the family and you were able to say to six-year-old Jimmy, I'm so sorry that Goldie died. And I'm not making a joke here. I want you to know that I'm praying that God would comfort your heart. That's a big deal for a young person. Pray for the big stuff. Pray for what you and I may think are the smaller things. But pray about what to pray about. Super simple, but it will activate our prayer life. And then here's another one I just felt like was good for me that might help you is don't just pray about it, but do something about it. Like be ready. When we go to God and we begin to pray about things and we pray about what to pray about and he begins to show us what to pray for, be ready for him to say, now go and do because you're part of the solution. You're part of the answer to these prayers that you're praying. I was, as I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, I was down in Battle Creek at Victory Life Church. Pastor James Sonic, I think he's been here before. Some of you guys are familiar with him. And uh, we were just uh, unpacking this whole conversation around the life of Daniel. Not Daniel Vanderclock, but Daniel in the Bible. Which, by the way, how many of you guys are grateful for Daniel's message this morning? If you were in church, good job. I heard it was great. I haven't heard it yet. I heard it was good. Um, but we were just kind of having this conversation of how do we influence culture without compromising our convictions? And as we look at the life of Daniel, we realize, well, we influence culture by living by our convictions. And the reality was, looking at what he shows us is that God stands with us when we bow to him. And we were just talking about that in this morning's message. And there was something interesting about it when it comes to this whole, this whole reality of don't just pray about it, but do something about it. Because in the book of Daniel, I got fixated on a couple things just a little while back. Because it says in Daniel 1 that these 
uh, these Jewish people in exile. Babylon has overrun Judah and Israel and Jerusalem. God is literally executing judgment for the breaking of covenant through human agents. Babylon comes in and is literally killing people, ransacking the temple, and taking some of them to exile over to Babylon. And he takes Daniel and a whole bunch of folks, and it says that when Daniel and his three friends and whoever else kind of went through their three-year masters of political science indoctrination program that Daniel and his friends were 10 times better than the rest. And the scripture says that there was an excellent spirit in Daniel and he was promoted in Babylon, promoted to influence and leadership. He was 10 times better than the rest but then in Daniel chapter six, when he's tempted not to pray because they tricked the king say, to say, hey, whoever prays to any other god or person other than you, king, execute them, throw them in the den of lions. And the scripture says, when Daniel heard the decree, he went back to his house, as he always did, and he got on his knees, and he prayed three times a day. Three times a day. Maybe he should be doing the Facebook stream, huh? Is anybody here leading a world power? No. Babylon was a world power back when he was in government. Anybody here really busy? Come on, be honest. You know I'm setting you up, but come on. Daniel is in leadership, high government administration for a world power, and yet he knows God's way is the best way to go. He prays three times a day on his knees, and Scripture says he gives thanks. What does he have to give thanks for? He's in exile. He's been displaced through war. He's enslaved as a minority. He's separated from his family. He's indoctrinated into a curriculum whose writers come from a polytheistic, pagan, idol-worshiping culture. Yet, it says he's ten times better. Is it possible? I'm just wondering out loud that his ten times better is somehow tied to his three times a day of prayer. Might his private devotion empower his public service? When we pray about it, let's go and do something about it as well. God may use you and I to be the agents of change that come out of our prayers that he puts on our hearts. Just really simple stuff. Really simple stuff. Be excessive with gratitude when you pray. Pray about what to pray about. And then get ready to do something about what we're praying about. But it all comes back to this, and I'm just going to wrap it up. Pastor Ken, if he's around, he can come up and do his, his thing. He's like the best musician in the world. I'm so jealous of him. But it all comes back for me and maybe for you. The posture in which we approach God. He covets our friendship. You don't have to perform to be accepted in his presence. Justice has already been served. Christ has taken the penalty for all that you and I have done. It's through the blood of Christ we come to him freely. God covets our friendship. May you and I never forget this. And you'd say, yeah, Scott, but those maybe three little helps and how to pray aren't enough. I need ten. It's not a formula, man. I think if we just know this, 
God wants our friendship. From that place, he'll teach us how to pray. He covets our friendship. I want to pray for us, and that's been a very honoring privilege to speak to you guys tonight, but let's, let's pray for just a moment. Let's bow our heads and let's take a moment to just, I don't know, maybe process what the Spirit of God might have been saying to you in this conversation. Lord, we thank you that we're able to sit here and stand here and talk to you like a friend, not because of anything that we have done to earn this privilege, but we stand here and sit here and talk to you as a friend, as a pure response to the act of grace that you've extended to us. God, we love you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to I ask you a couple questions. Maybe you're here tonight. You came out to Res Life. Maybe you're here because you're, you're just kind of hitting the reset button in your life. And you thought, you know, I don't normally do church, but I'm walking into some things in this year that I, I don't know what to do. And maybe the church can add value to me figuring these things out. Maybe that's why you're here. Maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're not even sure where you are when it comes to believing in God. Maybe someone who cares about you deeply invited you to come with them tonight because they so want you to see the Jesus that they've come to know. Maybe you're sitting here and you're not in a relationship with Christ, but somehow God has got your attention through this simple conversation. And maybe he's stirring in you this, this unfamiliar angst on the inside. And what that is, it's the Spirit of God drawing you to himself, pursuing you. Why? Not because he wants to point out your sin, but because he covets your friendship. You and I can walk into this next year, this next decade, literally the rest of our lives in friendship with God if we will simply bow to him and say, God, be my Savior. Jesus, be my Lord. Teach me how to be friends with you. Show me how to walk out this life that you've created me for. And you're sitting here and you know that's you and you know it's your time to simply say, include me in a prayer. I want to receive Jesus in my life. I want to walk with him. I want to become a child of God. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed simply because I want you to just think what God might be stirring in you. And you're in that place and you'd say, Scott, would you pray for me? The simple prayer of surrender to Christ so that I can know not only do I get to spend eternity in his presence, but I get to spend my life in his presence and in his friendship. Scott, would you pray and include me in this prayer? I want to pray for us. Just where you're seated. No one has to get up and move around. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. It's a personal moment. But I'd love to know who I get to include in this prayer. You say, Scott, include me in this prayer. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to surrender my life to him. I want to follow Jesus. If that's you, just shoot your hand up a lot. Just, just go for it, man. Yeah, just put your hand out. I see four hands right here. Praise God for the four of you that I see right here. That's awesome. Who else? Who else? Yeah, I see your hand right here, ma'am, in, in the middle. Sir, I just saw you lift your hand. So glad for you. Who else? Yeah, ma'am, up here to, to my left in the front. Way to go. Anyone else? Does Scott include me in this prayer? I want to be friends with God. It's a crazy concept, isn't it? Sir, I just saw you lift your hand. Good for you. 
Yeah, I got your hand in the back. Awesome. Anyone else? I don't want to rush, but we're going to pray here in a second. Who else? Raise your hand. You said, that's, that's me. Okay, look at me for a moment, may I? Will you just for a second? I count, I'm not stretching anything. I count like 10 people of you that raised your hand. Here's what's super cool. We're going to pray a prayer. We're all going to pray with you. Here is the guarantee. And if you've been here for any length of time, you know this. That God promises us that when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, the past is gone. We're forgiven of our sin. And we can move forward in friendship with God. It's a beautiful thing. We're going to pray with you. Let's all pray. Just bow your heads, close your eyes. And if you lifted your hands, make sure you lift your heart and your voice as we all pray this. Everybody say, Father God, I surrender my life to you. God, forgive me of my sin, my mistakes. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you died on the cross for me. That you've risen from the grave be the Lord of my life, the leader of my life. Fill me with your spirit. Be my friend. Help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.